One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Well, if you have your Bible, why don't you grab it and turn with me to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, and uh, we are going to pick up our series that we started last Sunday. And uh, of course, the teaching was online, so I know all of you have watched it and rewatched it and rewatched it again, and it is now trending, I'm sure. Uh, but we started a series uh, last week that we're calling The Characters of Christmas. The Characters of Christmas. And we're looking at the Christmas story and uh, looking at the different characters of the Christmas story. Each week, a different character. And asking the question, how would these characters tell the Christmas story? And so last week we looked at Zacharias, who in the Gospel of Luke, he is the very first character of the Christmas story. And uh, we looked at uh, what would Zacharias tell us? And uh, how many of you, anybody remember what Zacharias would tell us about Christmas? He would say, you're, you're, anybody? One person. One person. You're, you're giving a good example. He's, he would say this, if you can't speak faith, don't speak at all. And so maybe you're exercising that option today. I don't know. Uh, but Zacharias, uh, the angel appeared to him, brought him the good news, and he did not believe it. He had the right form of Christmas, but he did not have the faith. He didn't believe the message that the angel brought to him. And so the angel says, because of your unbelief, you're going to be mute until the day this baby is born. And I think that really shows to all of us the importance of our words in speaking faith, speaking in line with what God says to us. Uh, I'm not talking about some weird, you know, uh, hocus pocus, blab it, grab it, name it and claim it thing. I'm talking about the word of God in your mouth. The Word of God in your mouth. And it's so easy to allow the world to shape uh, our language as opposed to letting the Word shape our language. And so uh, if you did not watch it, I do want to encourage you to go back and, and watch that. Uh, but today we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And today I, I want to talk to you about the character of Mary. The character of Mary, uh, certainly a hero of all of Scripture, but specifically uh, one of the main characters in the Christmas story. And so Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and it uh, says this in, in verse 26, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she heard him, or when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, we thank you that this is more than just a Christmas tradition, Father. We thank you that this is the truth of your word. And God, we ask now that you would come and illuminate this truth. Father, we pray that you would breathe life upon it. God, I pray you would breathe your spirit into me. Give me the unction of the Holy Spirit. I pray you would breathe into every person the gift of faith to hear and to receive your word. God, that it would bear fruit in our lives. And Father, we thank you for it, Lord. Let our hearts be drawn to Jesus, we ask in his name. Amen. Amen. The character of Mary. We're talking about the character of Mary today. And I know for all of us, Mary is a familiar character, one that, you know, is probably after Jesus, one of the most uh, well-known characters in the Bible. Uh, But, uh, of course, we all know and everybody is familiar with Mary as the mother of Jesus. And uh, that's no surprise. We all know that Mary is the mother of Jesus. But just like any of you who are also mothers or fathers, uh, we all know that there was a life for you before you were a mother or a father. Is that true, parents? That is true. I know when I was a kid, I could not imagine that there had been any sort of reality uh, for these two uh, sitting on the front row who I knew as mom and dad, and I just assumed they had always been mom and dad. I don't know about you, but now that I am a parent, I recognize that most of parenting is simply faking it. (laughs) Who knows what I'm talking about? I mean, I thought when my parents were parents, when they were raising us, I thought, well, they they certainly know what to do all the time. And now that I'm a parent, I'm I know that even when my tone is is strong in the background, I'm saying, Jesus, help me. I don't know what to do, and. I don't know at what point you feel like a parent, but uh, most of us, even as we're parenting or raising children, you, you still feel like, I, I'm, how can I be a parent? I'm still a kid, you know? And uh, I know I'm not a kid, but I, you feel like it sometimes, right? Um, but, but I want to show you that for Mary here, because we think about Mary as always the mother of Jesus. We often think about St. Mary, but Mary was not always known as Saint Mary. She was just, and she was not Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was just Mary. She was just a, a normal girl. And it's important for us to recognize that because if we only see Mary as the mother of Jesus and we forget that there was a reality for Mary before Jesus came into her life, we miss the miracle that Christmas is. And if we miss the miracle of Christmas, we miss the meaning of Christmas. We miss the significance of it. And so I want to just show you, and I think Luke, as he records this Christmas story, is wanting us to just kind of set the backdrop of Mary's life before Jesus came into her life. And the Bible says this, it starts off by saying, now in the sixth month, now in the sixth month, and I want you to notice this, that... uh, For Mary, 
Uh, she was not yet the mother of Jesus. She was just Mary, and this was not, she did not know that this was the Christmas story unfolding in her life. She was living an ordinary time. And here Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells the story by drawing attention to this time. And I want you to notice that he, he does not say that it was some prophetic moment. He just says it was the sixth month. Now, Bible commentators say they don't even know what it was the sixth month of. Was it the sixth month of the year? It, it was, uh, as it seems to be, also the sixth month of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy. But it just seemed to be a fairly ordinary time, uh, perhaps an unlikely time. And that's the first thing I want you to see about Mary, is that this story unfolds at an unlikely time. And then it goes on to say this, that the angel... Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth, called Nazareth. Now we read that story and we know Jesus came from Nazareth. He was a Nazarite. But for the original readers of this story, Nazareth was kind of a throwaway place, a castaway place. It was not the place that they were expecting for the Messiah to come. If, if you would have asked uh, a Jewish person, where will the Messiah come? They would likely say, oh, he, he will come to Jerusalem. Where will he be born? He certainly would not be born in a manger. He, he will be born on a mountaintop. In fact, the Bible doesn't even in the Old Testament refer to Nazareth. You, if you know the story of the New Testament, you know that there was a saying around that time that went like this. How can anything good come out of Nazareth? How could anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, it wasn't just an unlikely time. It was also an unlikely place. Then the Bible goes on to say that the Holy Spirit or that the angel came to this virgin named Mary. The third thing I want you to see about this story or the setting the stage for this story is it was not only an unlikely time and an unlikely place, but it was an unlikely person. An unlikely person. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was God, scary thought, I know, but if I was God and I was going to release my redemptive plan into the world, I'm not sure that I would pick a teenager as my <laughs> responsible party. No offense to teenagers, I was one. But uh, that is not the person that I would look at if I was God and I would say, that's my best candidate. If I was God and I was going to bring my redemptive plan to the world, I would probably choose, you know, somebody that was affluent, somebody that was influential. I would, I would choose a religious leader. I would choose a government leader. I would choose, you know, an academic leader. I would choose somebody that was above the age of 18, right? Again, no offense, but God, when he looks down at humanity and he wants to release his plan on the earth, he chooses an unlikely time, he chooses an unlikely place, and he chooses an unlikely person. Because God loves to move among unlikely people. He loves to move in the ordinary details, in the ordinariness of life, in the unlikely places of life. And that's the setting that Luke reveals to us about the Christmas story. It was unlikely. And into that, the angel comes, bringing this good news, rejoice, highly favored one. 
the Lord is with you. You shall conceive and bring forth a child because with God all things are possible. I want you to see this contrast between the unlikeliness of Mary's situation and the good news, the gospel that the angel came to bring to her and to all mankind. You see, because in the natural, we look at the, this situation, we, we would read this story and we would say it's an unlikely time, it's an unlikely place, it's an unlikely person, and it's just improbable and impossible that God is going to work. But I want you to see that an unlikely time, an unlikely place, an unlikely person is the exact place where God says, I want to step in. I want to step in. And I don't know if you're facing that kind of situation right now. I don't know if there's something in your life. Maybe it's coming out of COVID, whatever that means. Maybe it's in your business, you're facing challenges. Maybe around the, the, the holiday season, there's all kinds of challenges in your family and you can just feel like God's a thousand miles from you. I want to tell you today, this may be the very moment that God wants to show up in your life because he loves to show up when it's unlikely. He loves to show up when it's unlikely. You see, for every single one of us, the gospel, this good news that God has come to mankind through Jesus Christ meets us in that unlikely place, but it brings us, listen to what the angel said to her. He says, having come in, the angel said in verse 28, rejoice, highly favored one. In other words, the gospel moves us from feeling forgotten to being favored. Do you feel forgotten today? Do you feel like maybe the things that you felt God had for you, he's simply forgotten about? He didn't get the memo, his phone's gone off, and he needs another reminder. You feel forgotten. Mary could have felt forgotten. Israel could have felt forgotten. God's people could have felt forgotten. But the angel says, you're not forgotten, you're favored. You're favored. So we move through Jesus from being forgotten to being favored. We move from being belittled. Who am I that God would ever come into my life? Who am I that God would ever look to me, Mary could say. But it says this, rejoice, highly favored one. You are blessed among women. The good news of Jesus. When Jesus comes into our life, he moves us from forgotten to favored. He moves us from belittled to blessed. He moves us from feeling cast away. Nothing good could come out of Nazareth. Imagine being the mayor of that town. Imagine how discouraging that would be. Welcome to Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. You feel like you've been cast away. You feel like you know, God's never going to use us. But listen to what, what the Bible says. You will conceive. In other words, it was when Jesus came into Mary's life, they went from being cast away to now being called, to being called by God. You see, when Jesus comes into your life, it's not just to forgive you of your sins. It is that, but it's always to call you. There's always a conception that happens in your heart when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. There's a divine deposit that is, that is put within you by the Holy Spirit and a calling that God wants to manifest on the earth. You will conceive. That's the good news of the gospel. Maybe you feel cast away. Maybe you feel forgotten. 
But when God looks at you, his word to you is, you will conceive. When Jesus comes into your life, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, there's a divine deposit on the inside of you that God wants to birth through your life. And Jesus, I love how it says this, that he would sit on the throne of his father David. In other words, God was through Mary going to manifest the kingdom of God on the earth. And God wants to do the same for us. So we go from cast away to called. And lastly, we go from impossible. How can it be? Gabriel, I know you're an angel and angels don't do this kind of stuff. But let me explain to you where babies come from, Gabriel it's impossible. How can it be? But Gabriel says, with God, all things are possible. Or with God, nothing shall be impossible. And I want to focus on that today. I want to focus on that that good realm of possibility to call Mary. What's the message of Christmas? It would probably be this. With God, nothing is impossible. I know we've heard the Christmas story many, many times, but just remember that the the miraculous nature of this story, that God has moved into creation, that God is dwelling among men. And with God, nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. You see, reason says this, unlikely times, unlikely places, unlikely people, impossible. Sometimes people say, I believe in science. Science is great. I believe in science too. But it's pretty depressing if that's all you believe in. If that's all you believe in, because it can only see the natural things. It can only see uh, what what is already in existence. And so it, it only is left with impossibilities. But faith sees impossible or unlikely people, unlikely times, unlikely places, and puts God in the equation and says, all things are possible. I don't know what you're facing today, but here's what my encouragement for you today is. Put God in the equation. Put God in the equation. With God, nothing will be impossible. Faith puts God in the equation, and when God is in the equation, nothing is impossible. And I believe that the Holy Spirit even would want to stir our hearts today. Maybe you're facing impossible situations, impossible circumstances, that God wants to release possibility faith into your heart. Have you ever met somebody that only sees problems? Only sees, I mean, they, they, it's like faith in reverse. They don't even see the possibility of what there is in the natural, never, never mind bringing God into the equation. They've got the gift of unfaith. <laughs> I remember when my brother Jarrett was starting his business, a coffee roasting business, I remember uh, he was starting to roast coffee just on my parents' grill in their back, uh, on their back patio. And I remember he went to Home Depot, and there was a guy at Home Depot, I think his name was Bob. And Jarrett went in and he said, hey, Bob, I'm looking for some parts to make this coffee roaster. And Bob just said, it'll never work. Jarrett said, well, I'm trying to start a business, Bob. Could you give me some other ideas? No, it'll never work. And, and I got people all the time coming in. They're all wanting to start coffee businesses. By the, the business won't even work, Bob says. <laughs> and so anytime Jarrett has some step forward, open a new cafe, get a new roastery, get a new contract, I just call him and say, hey, uh, I just spoke with Bob from Home Depot. And he says, it'll never work. It'll never work. 
You know, it doesn't take faith to see problems. It takes faith to see possibilities. And when Jesus comes into our lives, he opens up a whole new world of possibility. If, if a virgin can have a baby, anything is possible. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, anything is possible. I don't know what the impossibility in front of you today is. Maybe it's a financial impossibility. Maybe it's a relationship that you look at and you say, that relationship is too far gone. It could never be mended with God. Nothing will be impossible. God wants to release possibility faith into our hearts today. Amen? Well, I want to give you three aspects that I believe from this story. If we want to live in this realm of possibility, the realm of faith, three things that I believe God wants us to see. The first thing I want you to see is this, that possibility faith is based on who, not how. Who, not how. Notice Mary's response when the angel comes to her. She says, how can this be? How can this be? How's it going to happen? Uh, I don't know a man. Uh, in other words, in the natural, this is not going to work. I can't do it in the natural. There's no plan. There's no path. There's no way that it could happen in the natural. But notice the angel's response. The angel does not respond with how. The angel responds with who. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. I want you to notice that that is a parallel. It's the exact same language that Luke, this author, uses when he quotes Jesus and Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit for every single one of us. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The angel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit, how's it going to happen? The wrong question, not how, who? 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 We often want to go to How? Show me the plan. Give me the plan. i got to put this on my Google Calendar. And God would say it's not about the how, it's the who. Intellect always focuses on the how. Faith focuses on the who. If you're facing an impossible situation, you just say, God, I don't know how. I'm leaving that to you. <laughs> I'm just keeping my eyes on you. You're the miracle worker. You're the way maker. You're, you're the God of possibilities. You're the healer. You're the provider. You're the savior. I, you're the restorer, the redeemer. I don't know how, but I'm focusing on who. God will bring it to pass. Possibility faith is always based on who, not how. The second thing that we need to see is that possibility faith if we're going to live in the realm of possibility, possibility faith is based on God's word. It's based on God's words, uh, specifically the scripture, but also that revealed word by the Holy Spirit of what God brings into our heart. Notice Mary's response when the angel says, with God, nothing will be impossible. Mary says, okay, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. In other words, she's saying, if this is what God says, even if it's contrary to what I see, I'm going with what God says over what I see. Yeah. Yeah. She, in other words, she's, she's saying it's not about, be it unto me according to my feelings. I don't feel very pregnant right now. I don't feel like this is true. This is not my truth. This is not... The opinion of others, 
I, I don't know about you. I don't want to live my life according to just what I see in the natural. I want to live my life based on the possibility of what God says. And so she responds in faith. Notice that's the declaration of faith. God, be it unto me according to your word. If you've said it, I believe it even over what I see with my eyes. Yes, faith is always based on that revelation of God has spoken to me. God has spoken to me. I remember at the beginning of this year as we stepped out in faith for our building, we didn't have a how. I remember we were working with a, a broker, a wonderful Christian broker, and as he, as a broker is supposed to do, he was asking for the steps in the process. He said, make sure your lender has called for the appraisal. Yeah, we'll get right on it. Make sure that you've got the inspection noted, because we didn't have a lender. <laughs> We didn't know how we were going to do it, but I just kept saying, God, if you have said it, I believe it. I don't know how, but I believe it. And I have to tell you, my feelings were many times saying, if I go with my feelings, my feelings are saying, it's not going to happen. But I kept saying, God, I believe you're in this. Now, why did I say, God, I believe you're in this? Because the Bible says, my God shall provide all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So I'm not going to plan with what I have. I'm going to plan with what's in God's pocket. And if we have a need, I'm going to say, God, you know it. We need a place to meet. You told the church, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We'll meet wherever we can. But God, we need a place. We need a place. And I don't see it, and we don't have the money to buy it, but God, I believe you're with us. And we stepped out on a, on a word, first from the Scripture, but then there was prophetic words that God began to give us that just made us go, uh, we're, we're moving in the right direction. How many of you know uh, you can't sign a contract with a prophetic word? <laughs> you know, sign on the dotted line, here's the, thus saith the Lord. You can't do that. But the prophet, sometimes you need a prophetic word to carry you to that place. And when you get to that place, you're saying, God, I'm doing everything I can. And now I've reached the place that I've done everything I can. And only you can move now. And now I'm trusting you to show up. And God moved in incredible ways. God shows up. Because we were living by faith. We're walking by faith. If God says it, even if I don't see it, I'm believing what he said over what I see. You see, there's a difference between the promise that God gives to you and the possession when you receive it in the natural. And when you receive it in the natural, that's the manifestation of those things. But when God gives you a word, that word goes into your heart. It produces faith. And you may say, I don't even have it in the natural, and I don't know how I'm going to have it in the natural, and I don't know when I'm going to have it in the natural. But God, if you have said it, I'm holding on to that. I'm holding on to what you've said. That family member will be saved. That relationship will be restored. That need will be met. God, you are with me. You are for me. I'm holding on to it. It's based on the Word of God. I'll give you an example. You, you see, because... If we want to live by faith, receive everything that God has for us, the fullness of our salvation, we have to recognize it's tied to the Word of God. Every good person fulfills what they've said they will do. 
I'll give you an example. If somebody said to you, I, I want to give you a car, how many of you would say, hallelujah, I'll receive it, especially right now. <laughs> but if they said, I want to give you a car, and uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and sign the title over to you, and uh, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to sign it over, and I'm just going to take it. I'm going to wash it, and I'm going to bring it to you later. Now, you wouldn't go home and say, I really wish I had a new car. You would go home and say, tell everybody, I've got a new car. Well, where is that new car? Well, it's not here yet, but I've, let me show you. I've got the title. I've already received it. I've already got the car. Now, it, I don't possess it yet, but I've already got the promise. And so I'm living according to the promise until I get the full possession of it. And there will be a day that the keys will be in my hands and that I will do a little bit of dance, but I'm not going to wait until I've got the possession of it. I'm already going to get happy. I'm already going to celebrate because I've already got the title. And this is the title. This is the deed. When Jesus died on the cross, he signed it in his blood that the curse of sin is broken over your life, that you don't have to live according to just what there is in the natural. Maybe people say, this is what your family is because this is what you've always been. No, I've got a new family. I've got a new family. Maybe people say, well, you're never going to have that because, you know, it's just not in the natural. You, you can say, God says I have it. God says I am that. Let me ask you this. I know sometimes some of us, this may stretch our faith a little bit, may stretch our perspective a little bit, this, this tension between the promise and the possession. But let me ask you this. Uh, how many, and I know this may feel weird, but how many of you are saved? Put your hand up if you're saved. Uh, you're alive. Yeah, saved and forgiven of your sins, saved according to the blood of Jesus. Now, most of us would probably say, and I would say, I'm saved. I'm saved. Now, how do we know we're saved? We've not yet stood before the Lord. There's not the full manifestation of the forgiveness of our sins. We, we have not realized, and there will be a moment that we will stand before the Lord. But we're already declaring by faith what the Word of God says about us. Even before it's fully realized, I am saved, I'm being saved, and one day I shall be saved. The fullness of that possession will come, but right now I already have it because I have the promise of it. And so every time the enemy says, you're dirty, you're rotten, you're a failure, fill in the blank with all the things the enemy says, you can go ahead and say, no, I'm not. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above, not beneath. I'm called by God. I'm living for a purpose. Why? Because the word of God says this about us. And yes, there will be the full possession to come. But right now we live according to the promise of God's word. And faith, possibility faith, is always based on the who, not the how. It's always based on the Word of God, not my feelings, not my thoughts, not the opinions of everybody else and the latest post on social media. It's based on the Word of God. And the third thing I want you to see is this, that possibility faith always produces praise. How do you know? When that faith has come into your heart, how do you know when you're in faith? Listen to your mouth. 
it, it begins to manifest in praise. And here's what happened for Mary as she went in to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just starts moving on everybody. And Mary breaks out in song. And there, we don't know. This is probably, it's not recorded in Scripture. We don't know if, this, if there's what the tune is. We don't know what they're playing or what they're doing uh, to me, I kind of see it as the very first shout time in the Bible. I know some of you don't know what shout time is, but in the church that I grew up in in Virginia, there was a little thing called shout time. And shout time was when you just got so filled with excitement because of what God has done for you. Hannah, you grew up in that church, you know. <laughs> you just said, and I, amen, you'd say whatever, but it would... There's something that would manifest. And you, some people would shout. Some people would dance. Some people would clap. There's some emotional response. Now, I know some of us are afraid of emotion. But we need to have it based on a, someone calling for shout time already. Um, don't be afraid of emotions. Listen to what Mary says. My soul magnifies the Lord. What's your soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions. It's, it, she's saying, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit, notice the difference, my spirit and my soul. Spirit is that eternal part of you. Emotions or your soul is the temporal part of you. But she's saying with all I am, her body because it's coming out of her mouth, her soul because she's stirred with emotions, and now her spirit is rejoicing in God my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his servant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Now I want you to notice at this point, the Bible does not say that she's pregnant. We don't even know if she's already conceived what the Holy Spirit is going to birth through her life. We don't know if she's pregnant. We do know she's not holding the baby in her arms yet. But what is she doing? She's beginning to praise even before she receives the full possession of what she's believing for. You see, when you receive something by faith, even before you possess it, you begin to thank God for it. God, thank you I have it. Thank you I have healing. Thank you that that relationship is restored. Thank you for provision. I'm not talking about hyping yourself up, but I will say this. There is a, an opposing error. Yes, we're not called to live just by emotions. Notice it's all based on what the Bible says. But God is not opposed to emotion. God gives us emotion. And we often let our circumstances rule our emotion rather than receiving it Holding it by faith until it begins to change your emotions. My soul magnifies the Lord. In other words, God's getting bigger. God's getting bigger. He doesn't actually get bigger. It's just the way we see Him gets bigger. And sometimes we see our circumstances so much bigger than who God is. 
We can say, yes, I believe that God is a Savior. Yes, I believe that God is a provider. Yes, I believe that God is a healer. But, but we can often allow our circumstances to rule our emotions. But possibility faith always produces praise. And praise fills the gap between the promise and the possession. Do you have a promise in your life? Is there something that God has spoken to you that you're holding on to that you don't yet have? God will bring it to fulfillment. The question is, can you praise in the meantime? Can you praise and let the praise of God already be in your mouth in the process? Let's say it that way. Can you praise in the process? We're in a process right now. We're in a building process. We've already seen God work miracles. But how many of you know we often have spiritual amnesia? Like the children of Israel. God brought them out of Egypt. There they are in the wilderness and suddenly they start going, we had it better back in Egypt. Spiritual amnesia. We can so quickly forget what God has said to us. What God has promised us. But faith always holds on to the promise, and care. it's praise that carries you through the process. It's praise that carries you through the process. Y'all should see me in the building sometimes. Now, a few of us meet there every Wednesday morning, but if there was a camera set up, it would, it would look a little weird in there because I'm already praising God in there. I'm already walking around that place, and I'm just saying, Lord, I'm praising you. I'm praising you. i got to tell you, I may or may not have danced in there once or twice. I know that may seem weird to you, but what am I doing? I'm just praising my way into the fulfillment of the promise. And so I'm already walking around that place. I'm saying, God, thank you. I'm already seeing. I don't yet have it, but I'm believing what God says. So I'm already seeing the people walk through the doors. I'm seeing your faith. I'm seeing your loved ones. I'm seeing your neighbor. I'm seeing them come in. I'm seeing them encounter the presence of God, the goodness of God. I'm seeing drug addicts set free in that place. I'm seeing people bound uh, spiritually, emotionally set free in that place. I'm seeing sick people healed and delivered in that place. I'm seeing worship happening in that place. So I'm going around. I'm saying, God, thank you for these chairs that we already have. I, they're not. They've not manifest yet. But God, you said that we. You'll give us everything we need. And so God, thank you for these chairs. I see these chairs here. They're already here, God. Thank you. They may not be there, but they're here. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to praise God for what I have here. Some people have it there, but they don't have it here. And so they live like they don't even have it. I'd rather, even if I don't have it there, I'm going to have it here and I'm going to give God thanks. Lord, thank you that it's coming. Thank you, God. I walk in the cafe. Lord, thank you for the cafe equipment. Thank you for the cafe equipment. I sound like my dad when I do it. I know. And he sounds like his dad. But we're going to continue the, the, the lineage. No pun intended. I say, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God, for the people that are going to come into this place. God, thank you. They're going to come in for a cup of coffee. But God, thank you that the gospel is going to be shared over a cup of coffee. God, thank you. You're going to change lives. I walk through the kids' rooms. I go, God, thank you, Lord, for the kids that are going to be changed in this place. Some of them haven't even been born yet. But what am I doing? I'm just letting praise pave the way to the fulfillment of the promise. I want you to know that's what God is calling us to. That's what God's calling us to. 
And I know that there are some things that we will not experience the full manifestation of it in this age. We will in the age to come. But I'm already going to live in the joy. I'm already going to live in the peace. I'm already going to live in the celebration of what God has promised to me. I'm already going to give God praise. So I don't know what you're believing for today. I don't know what you need possibility faith for today. But I I believe that God wants to release faith into our hearts. I believe that God wants to stir us to overflow with praise in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can we stand up to our feet and worship team, you can come back up.